Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Phil Davis as he teaches from the Word of God. Extremely thankful for that this morning. Uh, I am Phil Davis. Those of you that don't know me, uh, inside the church, uh, I'll do an occasional uh, ministry. As God places something on my heart, pastor has given me uh, and several others in the church the opportunity to say, hey, God has given me a word, uh, and such is the case this morning. Uh, I also teach a Bible class on Sunday morning called Bible 101. Uh, We're basically learning how to study the Bible, and the foundation of that class is really knowing Jesus Christ. Uh, How many of you know that that's where we ought to be looking? That if we learn Him, Jesus said, if you know me, you know the Father. So if we want to get to know the Father, we need first to know Jesus Christ, and that is kind of the principle that we're doing our study on. Uh, Outside of that, uh, I head up a group uh, with uh, Brother Ralph. He has been doing this for quite some time. Uh, and I'm currently the senior speaker for prison ministry out at uh, Franklin County Correctional uh, Institute over in uh, Carabelle. Several new members have, uh, have uh, voiced some interest in getting involved in that. We have four new people about to get started, and uh, we're thankful for what God's doing through that uh, ministry. Uh, I have my wife here. One of my kids are here. The other one moved back to Alabama uh, this morning. Uh, we loaded them up yesterday and sent them back real tight. And uh, they are headed to, <laughs> headed to uh, Alabama and uh, uh, pray that uh, God will have his hand upon them. And outside of that, about the only other thing I'll tell you, if you did not know, is I have written a book. Uh, it was published in 2010 called The Gospel Ship. Uh, if you look for that book, you can look under the title, but I will uh, also tell you that the name on the book is my name in Spanish. It is Juan Felipe. My name is John Philip Davis. Uh, we did that because uh, the proceeds from anything we get back off of that goes to a ministry over in the Dominican, and they call me Juan Felipe. Uh, so if you are interested in that. Uh, let's open this morning our Bibles to the book of Genesis, uh, the 13th chapter. And as you're turning there, let me kind of give you a little bit of foundation about what we're going to go into. If I were to ask this morning... Uh, that if I gave you two different definitions, two different perspectives about sin, would you be able to differentiate which one is the world's view and which one is what God said? So without a raising of hands or anything audible, I will ask the question and I ask you to just recognize which one you believe is which. If I were to tell you that sin is fun and exciting and fulfilling uh, and that it fills the voids and the gaps in your life, Which would you think I was referring to, the world's view or God's view? If I were to tell you that uh, Paul says that the wages of sin is death, that James said that lust, when conceived, brings forth sin, and sin, when fulfilled, brings forth death. If I told you that John says that sin is a transgression of God's law, John further said that any unrighteousness is sin, I would be speaking on whose behalf? God's. So there is a definite difference between God's view on sin and the world's view on sin. And this morning what I want to do is really just kind of give a Bible story. And just let me share that I could have chosen many different people 
to use for this illustration. But I'm going to go way back to Genesis and we're going to talk about Lot. And we're going to look there and we're going to identify three things about sin. Number one, sin will take you further than you wanted to go. Number two, sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And number three, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Okay? So that is the foundation that we're going to start with. If you'll turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 10. I'll be reading out of the King James Version. And the Word of the Lord says this, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So let me give you a little bit of background. This morning we're going to cover about four or five chapters in the book of Genesis, and we're not going to read all of that, so let me just kind of give you some backfill. Abram, which by the way is Abraham, this is before God had changed his name, this is when it was Abram and Sarah, uh, before they became Abraham and Sarah. And uh, Abram is uh, Lot's uncle, or Lot is Abram's nephew. So they are living together, and they have this huge amount of land, and they have this large amount of cattle, and they have herdsmen over the cattle, and they have their families, and they're all encamped, if you will, together. As the herdsmen begin to complain that it's kind of difficult to keep everything separated and those things, Abram goes to Lot and he says, we need to separate ourselves. Okay? In so many words, what he said was, if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. Now what I want you to do first is make this note. Lot chose. If you write but two words down, the first one that I would have you write down today would be chose or choice or choose. Any of those uh, perspectives of that word. Lot had first choice. He could have chose either direction. But he looked out and as he looked across Jordan, he saw that in that direction toward Sodom, in that direction it was well watered. Now in today's terminology, we like to say that visually that meant the grass is greener. You heard that, right? So he's looking across this vastness and he's looking and saying, boy, that is beautiful. That is attractive. It's well watered. It's nourished. It's flourishing. It's alive. It's vibrant. It's active. It's, it's so appealing. That's the direction that I want to go. Anybody know where we're headed with this already? See, sin will take you further than you want to go. He had a choice of right or left, and he chose to go this direction. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. So what does that represent? Look at verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now this morning we're not going to talk about specific sins or anything else. If you've read the story, you know the types of sin that Sodom represented. It was filled, and just a side note, with men and women... The word man here is plural, meaning of all mankind. It was filled with sinners exceedingly. Wicked 
people doing wicked things. Yet, that's the direction that Lot chose. He said, I'm going to go there, but I'm going to be cautious. I'm just going to pitch my tent toward Sodom. I'm going to go in, and it's going to stay outside. Sounds like a good plan. It's not. Going towards sin, getting close to sin, getting next to sin, getting uh, in the surrounding area of sin is never a good choice. And again, without going through all the verses, what happens next is that here comes this chief of a group of people, and they come in and they overtake. They take Lot, they take his wife, they take his daughters, and let me just qualify here. Oftentimes in the scriptures here, they refer to sons-in-laws for the daughters. If you go to the New Testament, you know that Mary was espoused to be with Joseph. They weren't married yet, but they were engaged, if you will. They were promised to one another. Well, his daughters were promised in marriage, but they weren't yet married. That'll be significant when we get further in this story. So here are all of these, and they go and they encamp, and they're all taken. All of them are taken in. The cattle, the herdsmen, everyone is taken in by this chief that came in and and basically just uh, violated their whole territory and took them in. First sign that going towards sin was a bad choice or idea for Lot. Fortunately, there was one who escaped. And the Bible doesn't say who it was. It just says that one escaped, and the one that escaped went to Abram, Abraham, eventually. And he tells Abram of what has happened. Abram grabs 318 men, puts together an army, and he goes out and is 100% successful. He pulls back everything that was lost, Lot and the family and everything that was there. But I want you to look what happens next. Go to Genesis chapter... 19, verse 1 through 3. Now let's make sure we know where we are. Sin will take you further than you want it to go. So Lot is at a place to where he has said, I want this land, this fastest, this well-watered, this beautiful, luscious, vibrant land. I'm going to go and I'm going to pitch my tent towards Sodom. And now he's been overtaken. Abraham has come and relinquished the hold, got them all back in place, and I want you to look and see where we start up in verse, uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. And there came two angels to Sodom at Eden. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with the face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my, bro- my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, meaning his house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, And go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now, if they're in the streets, where are they at? They're in the city. In the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned turned in unto him, and he entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Outside of Sodom, bad things have already begun to happen. So when he is recovered, when he has a second chance, when there's a newness opportunity, he decides that if I was outside the city, there was no one to see what was happening. Maybe I'd be safer if I go inside the city. Maybe in there, people will see things and people will be less likely to come and try to overtake us and to do these things to us. So instead of staying outside and moving further from the city, he decides... I'm going to go into the city. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. 
It wasn't enough for, Ab- uh, for Lot to recognize what he was dealing with. It wasn't enough for him to stop and say, I have made a choice, and in my choice, with the vastness of land that I had to choose from, I put myself in a position to fail. Oftentimes in our life, God gives us opportunities to make choices. He gives us the opportunity to choose a direction. It could be in many different capacities and facets. It, it could be related to job. It could be related to which doctor you choose. It can be any uh, perspective that you have to make a choice. If I want to give you a warning this morning, it's that don't do what we are most likely typically, do, uh, what we typically do. And that would be don't give merit to the opportunity we have to choose. We fail to recognize the, uh, the significance and the impact of a lot of our decisions. We get very comfortable in our knowledge and skill set. We get very comfortable in uh, making the choice and decisions of our life's path uh, to where oftentimes we don't surrender that choice decision to God and say, Lord, reveal to me your plan. Lord, reveal to me what you would have me do. Instead, we just, on a whim. Sounds good. Oh, that's great. That is vibrant land. That is green grass. That looks amazing. Let me go there. Let me do that. Let me participate. We make choices oftentimes without any hesitation and without any surrendering to God for guidance. I believe that's where Lot was. I believe that he was at a place to where he was looking and saying, if I've got this vastness of opportunity in front of me, I want to make a decision that I think will put myself uh, and my family in a position uh, to enjoy all of the wonders that I'm seeing without thinking about all of the things that comes along with it. So now he's made a decision after being re- retrieved, and he's now in the city. Now once again, there are times when Lot makes some choices and decisions that seems good. If you follow through the verses there for a little while, these two angels are sent, and we all know the reason. They've come to tell Lot that God is going to destroy Sodom. If I interject that there is something happening, and for us as Christians, this is a wonderful thing. As a matter of fact, I, I spoke with Brother John this morning, and I know he's not the only one, but he, he has been interceding in prayer for the Bible class that we're doing. And I appreciate that. And all of those in the church that are lifting up that class, and I believe God's going to do some wonderful things through that class. And, and I believe that we as Christians oftentimes don't even know how many people are praying for us. Would you say amen? We have a wonderful church body here, and we heard a testimony uh, Wednesday before last of someone that was giving thanks to the church for all of the prayers that they had received. I've been there when my son had cancer, and all of the prayers that the church gave. It is a wonderful thing for a body or an individual to intercede on your behalf. And Abraham had been interceding on Lot's behalf. He had found through God revealing to him that God's plan was to destroy Sodom. And he knew that that is where Lot was. So he began to pray and he said, Lord, if I can find 50 just men in that city, will you spare it? In a short perspective, the answer God said was, yeah, if you can find 50 men, go for it. Well, he couldn't. Well, how about 30? Lord, if I find 30, yeah, go for it. If you can find 30. All the way down to where 5 was the number. And he couldn't find 5 just men in the city. I feel that it's important this morning for me to make a side point here. While it's not specifically related to the message that we're preaching about the truth on sin, there is a truth that we also need to recognize, and that is this. God looked upon Sodom. God knew. And how many of you know this morning, God knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your thoughts. 
He knows everything about you. He is your Creator. He knew you while you were yet in the womb. He knows your life. He knows everything about you. This same sovereign, omnipotent God, this God, looked upon Sodom and said, I will destroy it. Let me tell you why I make that statement so boldly. When we look at the world today and the world's perspective on some of the sins that were active and engaged in this process, there is oftentimes a worldly view or perspective that those people did not have a choice. If we make that statement, we have to simultaneously make a statement that says God is not a just God. I got one of you understanding what I'm saying. When God looked down at Sodom and said, I will destroy that city because it is filled with wickedness, there is sinners abundantly, then God said, I know what those men's minds are capable of. I know what they're doing. I know whether they have a choice in that or not. And He destroyed the city. If you have ever been told that those types of sins, those people have no choice, and you believe that, then you have to say in saying it, I don't believe God is just. I believe He destroys people when they don't have a choice about what they're doing. Thank you, Brother Ralph. Praise God. Okay, back to the points. We are now at a place to where they are in the city. These two men are inside. These two angels are inside Lot's home. They're inside there and there comes a knock on the door. If you continue to read through there, Guess who's at the door? The men of the city. That's how the Bible describes it. In verse 13, uh, verse, uh, yeah, 13 of chapter 13, it describes the men of the city as being wicked and sinners abundantly, excessively, exceedingly. Okay? Those men, and we're not going to get real specific, but read between the lines here, if you will. Those men come and knock on the door, and those men want those men. Hello? All right, just want to make sure you're with me. They come banging on the door and they want those men. Lot steps outside the door and closes the door to have a conversation with them and does what a good steward of guests in his home should be. You cannot have those men. No. Sounds like Lot's finally getting it together, right? It doesn't last long. Didn't last long at all. Lot then says, but let me tell you what. I have two daughters in there who have never been with a man. Oh, come on. I've got two daughters in there that are pure, waiting on their husbands. You can have them. Or when you get to the place to where you've been in sin too long, you lose the ability to even consciously think properly. You lose control of what is right, what is wrong, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And he has been there so long, it's kept him longer than he wanted to stay. And now he can't even make rational decisions. And he's offered up his two daughters to these men. The angels of the Lord decide to intervene. Aren't you glad that Abraham intervenes with prayer? Angels of the Lord intervene in your life. Aren't we thankful today that there is someone, something out there that intervenes when we get stupid? Praise God. (laughs) So here's the angels of the Lord and they intervene. They pull Lot inside and they close the door back and the angels of the Lord cast down blindness upon these men. This is where it really gets interesting. Blinded. Okay? 
I am wrong in what I'm doing. I am filled with sin in my life. God has sent warnings to this city. God has done everything He can to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. I'm now completely blinded. What I probably would do would be go back home, start reevaluating my life, and instead they are pulling, tugging, and chasing, and doing anything they can to get inside that door. It didn't do anything to change what they were doing related to sin. They just continued to try to get in. It don't matter what happens to me. It don't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter that I'm blinded to even recognize and see the truth. All I want to do now is continue in my sin. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It has a grasp. It has an effect. It has a hold. It starts to change our lives to where we change our thought processes and we get so one-dimensional that we can't see the truth when it literally strikes us. Praise God. Number three, sin will cost you more than you wanted to pay. What did it cost Lot? Well, as the angels of the Lord have told Lot now that you need to leave the city. You need to get your family and you need to leave. Lot, again, making a fairly rational decision, says, I'm going to go and get my son-in-laws. I've got to go tell them that we need to get out of town. The son-in-laws refuse to go. They don't want any part of it. Rather, they have now been pulled in or sucked into the sinful life. The Bible doesn't say. Rather, they just don't believe what Lot's saying about God going to destroy it. doesn't say why they really are not going to do it. We can uh, fabricate our own thoughts in there as far as what we believe may have happened. But the bottom line is they said we're not going. So he's back in his house. He's there with the angels of the Lord. And if you read the Scriptures, look at them closely. Because literally what it says uh, is that Lot lingered is the word that the uh, King James Version uses. And in doing so, the angels had to literally take his hand and pull him to start leaving the city. That's a hold, isn't it? So what has he lost? Well, he has no herd anymore. He has no herdsmen anymore. Lost his son-in-laws already. So now he's down to where it's just him and his wife and his two daughters. Angel of the Lord says, depart from the city, go and don't look back, just leave this place and get out of here. God is about to pour down all of this fire upon the city and destroy it. So Lot finally goes, and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing finally. And he's focused, I'm headed toward those mountains. And his daughters are focused and they're headed toward those mountains. And his wife stops and turns and looks back, and we know the story, she was turned to a pillar of salt. And if Lot hadn't lost enough already, now he's lost his wife. Sin will cost you way more than you want to pay. All because he chose this direction. I choose this land that looks vibrant, that looks exciting, looks appealing, looks good on the outside. That's my choice. That's what I want. It'll take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. But see, there's one more truth about sin. And that is that in the opening when I talked about Paul and I said that the wages of sin is death, there's what I call the Paul Harvey version. I maybe you know, remember Paul Harvey? There's the rest of the story. But, <laughs> I love it when there's a proper but in place. But, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, 
whatever it was that Lot was going through, whatever it was that was enticing him and pulling him, we have a promise that there is one who has redeemed us from those sins. There is one who has given us power over those sins. There is one that has given us the ability to choose the right path, not the left path. And there is one that has said that if you will confess those sins, I am faithful and just in forgiving them and makes us right before an almighty God. See, this morning, I, I re- relate this story so personal because there, I've been at those crossroads. I've been at those places so many times in my life, and I'm sure you have as well, where it comes down to what seems to be a simple choice. It seems to be that it's just take what is obvious. Take the one that just sent. I mean, it, logically, this makes sense. How many of you have learned by now God doesn't work on man's logic? Oh, not at all. If you want to know the right path, oftentimes you've got to dismiss logic completely out of the equation and start looking at it and say, God, show it to me what it looks like in your eyes. Because those views and perspectives are way different than our own views and perspectives. This morning, if you have a place in your life that you're there, you're making choices that you have been thinking mean really nothing, they're very insignificant, but you're beginning to think about the fallout, what-if scenarios of those choices, I suggest you start getting on your knees and getting before an almighty God that is omnipotent and knows the outcome before you ever step in. Calling upon Him. With every head bowed this morning, let me pray this prayer. Father, I thank You for this Word that You've imparted to me. I thank You, Lord, that You've given me the opportunity to live it out in my heart. Lord, to search myself. Lord, for me to recognize that there is but one way, and it's yours. God, to be reminded that the world offers me a vision that is totally different than what you are seeing for my life. God, that the paths that I choose, the choices that I make, aren't irrelevant, but they're very relevant. They're relevant to my ability to fulfill what you have called me to do, what you have purposed for my life, Lord, I pray that you help me in never taking one in lightness. Never taking one without first conferencing with you and allowing your Holy Spirit to guide that decision. For every person that is here this morning, God, that is at a crossroads of decisions, I pray, Lord, that today they take a second look at their choice. They take a second look at the plan that they have defined as the best and the most logical And they throw all of the rationale out and they say, instead, God, I want to know what you see. Help us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. In your precious name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.